Welcome back to the Me and Mariah podcast. I'm Taylor, Ms. Vanilla If You Nasty, and I'm joined this week by the same old co-host as the last 19 episodes, Future Lamb or Lamb in Training, Blake. <laughs> Hi. How many episodes do we have to do before I can stop doing this? I don't know. Probably like, never. <laughs> well, maybe instead we should start the episode with something like, Me and Mariah would love a five-star rating and a more than favorable review from you, our listening lambs. And then we can just start. Maybe we'll try it out. Well, you just did it. Yeah, I guess so. There you so. go. <laughs> well, can you believe it? 20 episodes? What a moment. I cannot. That flew by. I know. This one's going to be a country moment of Tennessee whatever. Oh, right. Uh-huh, that's what it's about to be. It could have been a rainbow moment, as today is the 22nd anniversary of rainbow. But with our setback from the HSN crash of yesteryear, I was forced to make a decision. I'm glad you went this direction. It was it was a fun movie to watch. Right? Have you ever been to Tennessee? I have. I went to Nashville. Um, I went around like Music Row. I went to an open mic night, similar to what Mariah did in the, in the movie Tennessee. I had Nashville chicken. It was a whole experience. Nashville chicken? Yeah. Tell me about that. It's like hot, spicy fried chicken. Like a dry rub or a wet sauce? It's a Sorry. wet sauce. Oh. <laughs> I prefer a wet it's sauce. It's good. Okay. It's very good. Well, I've never been to Tennessee, and I also have never been to Florida. But you know who's in Florida now is Pat, Mariah's mom. Oh, yes. Yeah. She shipped her on off to a home down there at the end of last year. And, and now there's no returning to New York because Mariah sold the house. Wow. That must have been really hard. She sold it for a whole $300,000 more than she bought it for in 1994. That's That doesn't seem right. Well... She sold it with the original carpet, the original appliances. This is really not how I pictured it to look when I imagined the 2001 moment with all the police coming in to take Mariah off to La La Land. That's where she was living? Well, she had gone there as like a last resort place to go to escape. And then her mom ended up calling the police on her. Oh, the betrayal. The listing literally targeted DIYers and fixers because the whole thing needs replacing. Yeah. That's, that's the only kind of home in my future, probably. <laughs> well, good for Mariah to get rid of it, though, because that house probably held a lot of negative energy. Not only her mom, but remember when her brother lived there for a while, and I told you about how him and his wife were there with their pet bunny? Oh, right. And the mom had her dog eat the rabbit like it was some kind of joke? Yeah, there was some really sick stuff happening there. Yeah, best to just leave all of that in the house. Yeah. And let someone else deal with it. She didn't even care about the profit. It makes sense because she just needed it off her hands, like energetically, like cut the ties. Get rid of it. Transitional moment. This is not going to be like our previous movie reviews, Glitter and Wise Girls, because unlike those movies, which I've seen like 156,539 times each, I've seen Tennessee like three times in the last 10 years or however long it has been since it was released. I remembered loving it and I was right. It's really good. But I didn't own it until like three days ago. So that's that. I had never heard of it before. You tasked me with watching (laughs) for the episode. It's also on YouTube if you at home wanted to watch it. Just go ahead and pause the episode here because we are going to ruin it for you. That's what we do as part of our reviews here. Ruin it. Yeah, we're helping you out. We do it under the impression that you've either seen the movie or you don't care to watch it yourself and you're trusting us to watch it for you, which we are honored. Right. I didn't know that this was on YouTube, though, by the way. I didn't bother to check right until I was laying in bed and I got the notification on my phone that my package had arrived with the movie in it. I was like, hmm, I wonder if I could watch it for free and not leave the bed right now. And what do you know? You can. It was only $7, though, and it's a Mariah moment, so I wanted to own a physical copy. Well worth it, Mimi. 
Yeah, add it to your collection. Tennessee is an honest, heartwarming journey of self-discovery. It's a moving drama about facing your past in order to find your future. Yeah. The movie follows two brothers, Carter and Ellis, on a road trip to reconnect with their estranged father, where they meet a waitress, Crystal, who helps them overcome their painful past. I pulled that from the back of the DVD. <laughs> so let's get this out of the way before we get into the whole movie like we usually do. I feel like if we don't talk about this right now, it's going to be hard to concentrate. What is it? What is going on with her hair? Oh, yeah. Whose idea was that? I think it was Lee Daniels. He directed it. Oh. He loves to fuck with Mariah. He's the reason that she looked the way she looked in Precious with all that overhead lighting. That's her worst nightmare, the overhead lighting. Yeah, he tries to go anti-Mariah when casting her. And I mean, in terms of the roles, that's a great thing, but come on, what are those braids? I, yeah. And these aren't the thank God I found you braids. It's just the top of her head this time. And okay, the top's braided, and then the back is like shoulder-length wavy blonde Mariah hair. The thing that really gets me is how as the movie goes on, the braids get shorter. Like, less of her hair is braided. So the first scene of Mariah, full top of her head braided. Then we got just the bayang braided back, maybe a fingernail's length. By the end of the movie, there's no braid at all. What did you just say? The bayang. What is that? It's the bayang. You know, the, the bayang. I think it was supposed to show that, like, slowly but surely, she was setting herself free. Like... I love that. That might be what... The That's a good take. Was I was just in. taking it as she's in a hurry. She hasn't done her hair. No. I'm breaking free. Soaring. <laughs> I know she had her blush tattooed before making this movie, so Lee couldn't take it off. I don't know if that's still a thing, but if you look at photos of her from like 2007, you can tell. I, and, I did not know that. Yeah, and Lee actually talked about it in an interview one time. He called her out about saying that he tried to wipe it off, and she told him it was permanent. But I can't find the clip. Oh. You'll just have to trust me and believe me, listeners. I didn't think she had, like, overtly offensive blush in this role, though. No, I it's just a it. little rose. I, yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Also, something worth mentioning, Mariah was not the original choice for this movie. Just like in Precious, when Helen Mirren was supposed to play the social worker, but chose to do a different movie instead. Crystal was supposed to be played by Janet Miss Jackson if you're nasty. Really? Mm-hmm. She even gained 60 pounds for the character, which let's just have a moment of silence for that because I'm not sure what that means for our Mimi because she didn't gain any weight for the role. What? She looked f great. Like, that's crazy. There are definitely parts of the movie that match this narrative, and I'm sure it'll come up later in our discussion here because I have things to mm -hmm. point out but let's get into the movie <laughs> it starts with a flashback set in tennessee all the way back 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 in 1993 carter is in high school walking home with his girlfriend where he can hear his parents fighting from inside the house so he barges in and saves his mom from his abusive father the guy's a real fucking prick there's another flashback scene a little later in the movie where he called one of the sons into the living room and has him pick a hand and when the kid picks a hand he says that was the wrong hand and slaps the avril Lavigne shit out of him i think it was carter i feel like carter like protected his brother from and his he dad got, he got like the blunt mm -hmm. of the beatings mm -hmm. so this tussle was it for carter and the crew he his mom and his little brother ellis they leave for new mexico and they never look back now with that backstory of the last little brawl at home we're in the modern era which was 2007 they're still in new mexico their mom is dead and ellis is sick with leukemia and needs a bone marrow transplant by the way Ellis is played by Gregory Peck's grandson. He was also one of the little French boys in Passport to Paris with our girls, Mary-Kate and Ashley. Oh, how yeah. cute. Riding around in a little Vespa. That's Fun. where I recognized him from. Yeah. What? I know. Wow. I know. And I guess you need a relative to, like, give you bone marrow, I guess. That's, like, the first choice, yeah. And Carter was not a match for Ellis, so Ellis suggests that they go back to Tennessee and try to find their dad to get some marrow. 
it's really the least he could do. Yeah, at this point. So they make it to Texas and their car breaks down and Ellis wanders into a cafe next to the mechanic shop and there she is, Crystal, who is really just Rachel from Wise Girls if Rachel was Southern instead of from Long Island. Right, and working at a diner. (laughs) Yeah, she's like less glitzy and she hates her life, but she's still just doing the best she can with what she's got. Mm -hmm. Someone's meal is sitting under the heat lamp at the pass-through window and the cook yells at her for taking too long. The food is getting toasted from the lamps And the manager comes over and throws it away and tells Crystal to go to her table and tell them why their food is going to take longer. The little prick is just trying to make her feel bad, but she walks over to the table and just tells them, It's going to be a few minutes on that burger because my boss threw it in the trash. (laughs) I was so caught off by that, I literally laughed out loud. I loved the sass. (laughs) And can we talk about the accent? Oh, yeah. She tried. It's, yeah. (laughs) A for effort, Mariah. We see you. Now when she goes to take Ellis's order... He asks her what's good, and she says nothing. But then she tells him the pie is okay, so he orders a piece of pie. She sees that he can't afford a soda, so on her way to her break, she grabs a cup, fills it with ice, and then tells the other bitch to refill his soda so that he didn't have to pay for one. Yeah, I loved that. Random acts of kindness. Yes. (laughs) And she takes her break writing a song on the hood of her 67 Mustang. She's got a puffy jacket with a fur-trimmed hood and big, thick gold hoops. She's dressed like every cool girl in our high school. Yeah, that's true, actually. It it was the time. (laughs) (laughs) Crystal had some, like, baby fat in her closet. You know it. Yeah, for sure. Maybe some rock aware. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think she's a juicy tracksuit kind of girl, though. I just don't get that vibe. For some reason, it doesn't ring Crystal to me. (laughs) Ellis and Crystal almost seem like flirty in a way, right? But like not sexual. Yes. They had a connection. And he comes up behind her when she's back inside using the payphone to talk to her whack-ass husband, Frank. Ellis basically tells her to come to Tennessee with them. He heard her making her song on her break, and he says that she belongs in Nashville. She's flattered because you can already tell she doesn't get any of that positivity at home, but says that Frank would kill her, so she can't. Yeah. She had such longing in her eyes. Like, she really wanted out. She did. Mm -hmm. Ellis leaves Crystal a note thanking her for the refill, and he and Carter are now trying to figure out what the fuck they're going to do. Like, how do you get to Tennessee from Texas without a car? Well, what do you know? Crystal drives by and stops for them and asks where they're headed. So where are you boys heading anyway? Uh, Tennessee. I was supposed to be going that far. Not really. I was going to the store and home. They get in her car, and she thanks Ellis for her refill and then brings them home with her where Frank is entertaining some of his cop friends. Oh, yeah, he's a cop. Did I mention that? You haven't yet, but that that kind of shocked me. He was such a... Well, actually, shouldn't have shocked me. He was just such an asshole. Uh, you really but he also was. had, like, no manners. And I feel like cops, like, have a front of at least yeah, trying to, like, be accommodating, nice. and then they're actually an asshole, you know? A wolf in pig's clothing? Yes. Sheep. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even bat an eye. And after going off on her about not getting the right alcohol and literally slamming her into the wall for not going to a second store to find it, he goes into the room where Carter and Ellis are sitting and tries to intimidate them. Mm-hmm. Well, this is piss water. Why don't you go to another store? Because I wanted to come home. My boys don't drink this shit. You know what? I don't really give a shit what your boys drink, especially since I spent all my tip money on this and I know I ain't gonna see a dime from it. And I guess it's Christmas time because she's got those colored large bulb Christmas lights everywhere. They line the doorways. They're even wrapped around the decorative deer head mounted on the wall. It was so Christmassy in there, so festive. I took that as like showing, I assumed it was her that set up the decorations and like she wanted to be surrounded by fun beautiful things because life is mundane yeah yeah maybe that's why she likes christmas in real life too the magic yeah (laughs) the splendor of the moment (laughs) 
And now the next scene is Crystal, like, laying in bed with gunshots going off in the background. Frank's a cop, so him and his friends are probably outside shooting. I don't know, is that, like, a hetero thing? Probably. Well, then we cut to Crystal laying in the exact same position, only now it's morning. Like, she didn't sleep at all. She just laid there all night. She gets up and she's crying about her life. The wedding picture on her dresser, her in that typical like foofy 80s, 90s wedding veil. She leaves that picture there, but she snags the one next to it and a necklace that was hanging up on the edge of the picture frame. She wakes Carter and Ellis up and tells them to get their shit together. They're leaving, her included. And they sneak out past Frank and his friends who are still asleep in the living room. Passed out. Crystal leaves a note saying that she had to work a double so Frank won't be expecting her back for a while. And it buys them some time to, you know, get some space between them because once he catches on to the fact that she ain't coming back, it's go time. They make it to Oklahoma. We see Crystal and the boys pull up to a bar. Carter doesn't think it's a good idea, but Crystal wants a fucking drink after making that life-altering decision. Yeah, she was ready to party. <laughs> she was what? <laughs> Whatever. Party! <laughs> Alright, let's go get drunk. So Crystal teaches Ellis how to take a tequila shot because he's never had one, apparently. She literally does two back-to-back, -back, one <laughs> to show him and then one with him. And then she takes a third one before they get up to dance. Yeah, that was cute. I love it. Carter is <laughs> hesitant, and we find out that he can't really handle his liquor, but he eventually starts drinking and dancing, too. And then he gets sloppy. He's fallen into people, just not a cute look. And then a slower song comes on, and he starts dancing with Crystal and gets a little handsy. He's, like, disassociating for a minute because we get another flashback of him with that girlfriend from the beginning dancing to the same song. Yeah. And then he gets punched in the face because, you know, he got handsy on a girl in what? Where are they? Oklahoma? Yes, they were so, in Oklahoma. Yeah, the guy's gonna... Somebody's gonna stand up for Crystal. I'm surprised by that. Yeah, you don't so. put your hands on a lady unless she's your cousin. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Or unless I'm doing it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, unless we go family style on her. <laughs> I didn't make that up. That's a thing. What the fuck happened to you last night? The details were a little fuzzy. You know what, Carter? I don't really know you, but I already know this much about you. You don't know your limits. And you know what happens to people who don't know their limits? They cross the line. Yeah, what line did I cross? Just about all of them. What'd I do? You fucked up, that's what you did. Well, he knew better than to drink because he's clearly used to, you know, using it to cope with his trauma before. And he knew it doesn't work for him. There's like another flashback a little while later in the movie that shows him with the girlfriend and he's in like a football jersey talking to some coach. Uh, from like a big school that's scouting him for sports. So we get little glimpses of everything that he gave up for his family. The girl, a potential career. I don't know, it's a lot. I kept getting that theme, but what I kept coming back to was like, that was so long ago and he was still so like wrapped up in what could have been like yeah. in his high school glory years. Yeah, that's which not I know your peak, is sweetie. a thing that people like suffer with, but like really like There's move so on. There's so much more, yeah. <laughs> and the next morning, Frank comes home to an empty house and the jig is up, girl. He has caught on now. He noticed the picture was missing from the dresser and booked it to his chopper or whatever cops call their cars. What do they call them? Not a chopper. Oh, what's a chopper? Uh, chop. That's a helicopter. Are you sure? Yes. Oh. Get the chopper. Yeah, right. Get in the and then they turn no, the sirens on. No. Oh. Well, the copper. <laughs> well, he gets on the radio and he gives the Mustang's license plate number and reports it stolen and tells the dispatch to pass it on to like five surrounding states besides Texas. So, Crystal, you in danger, girl. He's going to find you. 
But by then, she traded the car. Yeah, assuming that he's caught on or close to catching on, she knew that she had to get rid of it. She's so smart. She asked the front desk guy at the hotel if he knows anyone that wants to trade for the Mustang. No cash, it has to be car for car. Mm -hmm. The idiot calls the police to report the incident because he's a Karen after trading his car for it. I know, just don't trade the car then. Let let them go on their little way. Well, I don't know. You know, after she left, I just start thinking about it. You know, something didn't seem right. I mean, who's going to trade a classic Mustang for? piece of shit car like mine and you know what she's in a big old hurry she doesn't want me to clean out my car or anything so you know what i just called the local authorities to make sure everything's on the up and up and that's when i found out it was stolen yeah well you did a good thing yeah I still get to keep the car. So they're driving through Arkansas now in technically a stolen vehicle. Yeah. (laughs) Which I don't even, I didn't even know that Oklahoma and Arkansas shared a border. Like I thought Arkansas was down by like Mississippi, Louisiana. Like I thought it was a southernmost state. it's not. And I'm really good at geography. Yeah. Apparently not. I drove through all that. You've been to Arkansas? Yeah, I drove through. How's that? Not a lot to see. Hmm. And it's only now that Crystal asks why the boys are going to Tennessee. Carter doesn't tell the full reason, just that they're going to look for their dad. But Arkansas is where Ellis starts to get really sick, and he's very weak and feverish, and Crystal finally asks what's wrong with him, and then Carter tells the full story about the cancer. Crystal happens to get lucky because as she's hitting her second Continental Motel breakfast, they have a police scanner in the lobby, and she hears a kidnap alert about her by two male suspects. I'm gonna go see what they have in the lobby. So she darts her ass back to the room because they they gotta go. Mm-hmm. Ellis is the weakest that he's been at this point, so Crystal goes back to the lobby to grab him some food, and she barely makes it back to the car before fucking Frank is pulling into the motel parking lot. He sees them leave, and the chase is on. They get to a freight train stop and hop on without him being able to find them. The train just happened to be going to Tennessee, so that's convenient. Perfect. Now on foot in Tennessee, they walk by a place where ladies eat for free does that exist does that exist well they go in and crystal makes a huge plate for each of the boys that's a girl of my own heart that's so cute (laughs) that 60 pounds is making sense now right (laughs) whatever (laughs) darling you've got to lose some weight and i was like all right crystal knows a girl in nashville also which thank god because i was starting to get worried for her i didn't want her to have to just you know have left everything and then have to literally start from scratch so she calls the girl tracy from a payphone but tracy doesn't answer so crystal leaves a message and tells her where she's going to be. When Tracy actually gets the message, she calls the only number that she has for Crystal, which happens to be Frank's phone. So he gets Tracy's voicemail congratulating her on making it to Nashville and then tells her exactly where she's going to meet her. So now Frank knows exactly where she's at and he stops for directions and comes across a little domestic violence situation at the gas station. And I think this is the first time that he sees how his own behavior is taken by Crystal, like being faced with it while in literally a crazy pursuit of his own victim is obviously like an eye-opening moment it was a turning point for sure it's gotta hit a little different yeah so now back to crystal there's a pawn shop across from where they're eating and she decides that she's gonna try to get some money for her guitar and carter stops her from selling it because what do you know there's a contest to perform your own song with a 500 hundred dollar prize and it pained her to sell that you could just see on her face that's her whole life and they only wanted 30 bucks for it it's a no, 300. Oh, okay. That makes more sense, but still. They always low blow you at those yeah. places. Low blow? Low ball. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Crystal gets up on that stage and sings her song Right to Dream. Like I said before, her braids are barely there. But you know who is there? Frank. Oh, 
asshole. He left her alone, though. I think he realized what he had been doing to her, and he had to let her go because it's the last we see of old Frank. Well, it was the lyrics of the song. Like, she was saying, like, there's more to life. I'm allowed to dream. Like, all these things. I think it was clicking for him. Like, first of all, she willingly left. Yep. Here she is thriving, looking happy in her element. And, like, he wanted to keep her small. And that was not the life she deserved. Somewhere deep inside, someone strong, still besides, and I know she's gonna be fine in time. This, this scene made me tear up. I love I got that really, for you. I got really emotional watching her sing. She was, like, so empowered. And the look on his face, like, their acting was actually really good in this film. I love it. I think this is... I thought is, it was really good. I can't believe that it didn't do anything. It only made $16,000 for a movie that's crazy. That's crazy. Do you know if that was the profit or was that, like, that's the what the, that's they brought in? That's the box office. They did not even cover the catering of that film. Oh, Mama, <laughs> like, it cost no $4 million to make this oh, movie. They made $16,000 back. 16007 because I bought the DVD. Oh. <laughs> hey. And Right to Dream fades into them at the bus stop and Crystal is giving them money. So obviously she won the contest, but we didn't get to see that. But that's okay. She's giving them Tracy's number so that they can get a hold of her. And we never saw Tracy either, but it's nice to know that they got connected. Yeah. The boys get on the bus with barely a goodbye from Crystal. She literally kind of like waves her hand and is just like, I'll see you later and walks away. (laughs) They fall asleep on the bus. And then when Carter wakes up, Ellis has blood all over his face from his nose and won't wake up. So he gets hospitalized. Another bad turn. While laying in the hospital bed ellis asks carter to go to the middle school to take pictures for him which is weird but he makes some excuse about how the lighting is good and he wants it for a shot he's a photographer i don't know if i you didn't mentioned that. that the whole time he had some really like awesome equipment at the very beginning of the movie and that's where he first collapsed was in his in his, in black, his black room yeah what are those dark dark, dark room. room why do we both say that because i was thinking blackout me too okay Blackout curtains. Yeah. I was going to say blackout room. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. In reality, Ellis knew that Carter's old girlfriend, the one from the flashbacks, was a teacher there, and he knew that he would see her if he went. So Carter comes back with the photos and asks how Ellis knew that she would be there, and he tells him that one of his nurses went to high school with them, which was actually not true. It turns out the whole trip was a setup. Ellis knew that he was going to die. He knew all along that their dad was dead. He knew where Carter's old girlfriend worked and lived. He wanted to get Carter back to Tennessee so that he could get his life back, the one that he gave up for Ellis and their mom. Yeah. We get a final flashback of abuse from the father when Carter discovers his grave, realizing that there would be no saving Ellis. Yeah. Crystal comes to visit one final time. No braids. She's finally set free. Yeah, and she stays for long enough to need to take another trip to the cafeteria, though. (laughs) (laughs) just noting that for the character and ellis does end up dying and crystal and carter scatter his ashes on top of a mountain where he had asked them to the movie ends with carter back at the middle school waiting for the teacher because ellis told him that's what he wanted for him where do we see this going do you think that he got to pull a jerry blank and pick up his life exactly where he left off (laughs) i really hope he did i hope she was ready to accept him again 
Yeah, it could have gone either way. It could have gone, like, at least he got closure and she had already moved on. And, like, he accepted it and then, like, met someone at a supermarket or something. (laughs) I think Ellis knew that she was single because he was in contact with her parents. So I think he knew. Okay. But where do you think Crystal's at today? Like, do you think she's got any length of braid back? I think she got a record deal and she at least performs at like festivals. Like she had at least a little success for sure, because how could she not? Right. And let's talk about Right to Dream, because Mariah wrote the song, obviously for the movie. Mm-hmm. She wrote it with Willie Nelson. Oh, really? Yeah. See, all to her give her it that cool, twang. All her cool collabs. Right. Love it. And there's another song that she did, um, Help Me Make It Through the Night. Not in the movie, but I think you can find it on YouTube. I love that. It is, it can make you cry. Was it in this sort of style? Yes. Oh, okay. And it's the same theme as Right to Dream. Help Me okay. Make It Through the Night. Like, she's just trying to get to the other side of her problem. Come and lay down by my out of 10 for me i would give it a solid nine out of ten that's a high score for you i yeah it is actually a pretty high score i love (laughs) these kinds of films that are like the inspirational like self-discovery and like following your dreams it's just like fun to get like wrapped up in their storyline the only thing was it felt like there were certain times where the storyline was dragged on and like moments of time were like stretched and then all of a sudden it would like speed up yeah and i don't love that when it happens so just poor editing yeah it was just like a little all over the place sometimes but honestly pretty solid good acting good characters so would you recommend this movie to the lambs if they haven't seen it i would i think it's i think it's crucial mariah content i think versatility It's really interesting to see her in roles that include so much pain because the way that she acts is so authentic that you can tell that it's coming from a place of experience and not just good acting. And I think it's interesting to see her be more serious and like have acting as an outlet. Yeah, which is why she started acting in the first place. I think everyone should watch it if if they're into Mariah even a little bit. Also, if you just like Hallmark movies, <laughs> I'd highly recommend. <laughs> it does kind of have a vibe of yeah. that, but it's less cheese. Yeah. More beef substitute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, come back next week and we'll talk more about me and Mariah. More about Mariah mostly. Yeah. But I'll be doing the talking. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> I love it. Well, see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Get out of here before I start crying. I'll see y'all later.